Welcome to the Misfits and Mystics podcast, a podcast where we have conversations intersecting faith, mental health, artistry, and social justice. This is a safe space for exploration, questions, doubts, fears, and all the things. Um, So yeah, we just invite you to get cozy, but not too cozy because, you know, we're going to keep it real. Um, I am your host, Abra, and with me I have my lovely co-host, Alicia. Hello. Hey. I'm so excited. <laughs> I know, this is really exciting. Um, yeah, we, I don't know, it, what, how many months ago was it that I was at your your place and we talked about starting this podcast? I have no idea. I just remember us being on the couch at one point. And I don't even—I don't even know if this was the same time. Being on the couch, and I had the blinds open, <laughs> and we were there until it got dark, and then you couldn't even see me anymore. So we had to turn on the light to continue our conversation. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. I remember this exact day because yeah. I—it was warm, so it was like summertime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, it's probably been at least, like, what, five months? Yeah. Five months ago? Yeah, but I, yeah, I'd been, um, it had been reeling around in my head for maybe five months prior to that, and then had the courage to speak it into existence with you. (laughs) Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah. I love it. I don't know. Do we want to like introduce ourselves? <laughs> yeah. You go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm Abra. Um, I am a Tennessee native, um, dancer, choreographer dance teacher um I do a lot of work surrounding many different things um, mostly concert dance and professionally um, I dance in a company and yeah I focus a lot on intersecting you know my faith background and my passions with like um, social like consciousness um, within my work, like as a creator. Um, yeah, and then I guess now I'm a podcaster. Um, yeah, and yeah, I'm just really into the creative stuff here. And I don't know how my friends would describe me. I guess I don't know. We'll get. We'll to find that. out. We'll get to that. <laughs> So yeah, um, I'm Alicia. I am an Illinois native. That sounds really weird. I've never said that in my life, but I'm from Illinois. Um, originally from the Chicago land area, but currently reside further south. Um, I am also a dancer, choreographer, um, and currently an English educator in a high school, which is really cool. Um, 
as far as dance, currently I am working with um, an organization, a Christian organization on a college campus. So that's where most of my dance is right now. Um, outside of that, I'm an all-around turn-up activist. So, you know, I'm here for the party. <laughs> and there's that. <laughs> yeah. Can you, like, expand a little more about this turn-up activist? Like... Yeah, definitely. So I just, anytime I go anywhere with my friends or with new people, if anxiety is not trying to have its way with my life, then I try to, you know, make sure that people are enjoying themselves. Um, mm -hmm. So whether it's, okay, let me put on the right music so we can dance and, you know, have fun, loosen up. Or I always do this thing like... <laughs> My friends make fun of me for it, but they also love me for it because I make conversation happen. Um, I love asking questions, whether it's like discussion questions or like I literally pull up question threads that I have saved off Twitter and like Tumblr and just start asking the room questions and everybody has to answer the question, which usually leads to discussion because it's like, whoa, that answer was very interesting. Let's talk about that. And it just gets everybody, you know, hype and talking and enjoying each other so i just feel like we just we need more opportunities to turn up life life can be so overly serious sometimes so yeah yeah i mean you definitely are the less serious one between the two. between the two of us yeah you think so i don't know well okay both of us can get pretty deep and then yeah. <laughs> But go, both of us are goofballs. This is true. I don't know. But I feel like, I always feel like I'm the dorky one when I'm next to you. <laughs> you're, the, you're the cool one. And I'm the dorky one. So, that I don't know. But that's just me. Yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, so I guess we should... Yeah, this podcast, like I said, we're just talking about all the things, really, but mostly just intersecting. I'm all about intersectionality. Yeah. And I know that's, that's like a huge buzzword right now, but, you know, whatever. Um, by the way, happy Black History Month. Yes, happy Black, Black, Black. Black, so Black, Blackity Black. Black, History black, Month. black, Black. Black on Black yes. History Month. Yes. Period. Uh, by the way, we're both black. <laughs> <laughs> In case you didn't catch that. In case you didn't catch. Uh, <laughs> that's why we are... Yes, this podcast is very pro-black. Um, yeah. I feel like that needed to be said. Because, yeah. We're recording this in February. And, yeah. But um, yeah, we're just talking about all the things, um, talking about faith um, and spirituality, um, which we're going to kind of get to in a second. Um, I feel like there's a lot of like podcasts out there or blogs that are talking about faith and spirituality. But in my experience, it's still very centered around the... Uh, how do I want to say this? The white experience, 
or within a very Eurocentric context, um, because, you know, the evangelicals are such a hot topic right now, especially as it intersects with our political conversations. And I just feel like there's not a, not a lot out there that is truly centered on like Black women experience when it comes to faith and spirituality and the evolution of it, um, which is kind of the reason why I wanted to start this, because um, I needed a space to talk about it. And I needed a space to talk about it with another person that kind of has that same experience. And then we're talking, we're going to be talking about like mental health, which is also one of those things that just isn't always centered around people of color or just people on the margins, period. Artistry, obviously, like we both are creatives. So we, I'll try not to just talk about dance. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have some like guests that, you know, are in various fields of the arts. Um, and then social justice, obviously, like, so when we talk about race and political things and just all the things. <laughs> all the things. Um, I like that. Yeah, all the things. Um, so I guess we should just dive into what we're talking about today, which is finding a community when we evolve. I feel like you and I have done a lot of evolving over the years. For sure. I think about the first time I met you (laughs) (laughs) and who I was and then who you were and then up to now. And wow, what a transformation. (laughs) I don't even know who I was back then. I don't know if I knew then. Who I was. Well, back then. You were 18 <laughs> and I was like 21. So, I mean, young. So very young. Young, youngins. I guess you kind of know, you, you're starting to know who you are when you're 21, but not really. Yeah. It's but definitely at 18. Yeah, but at 18, like, you don't know anything. (laughs) Um, And now some years have passed. (laughs) And, yeah. Um, I don't know. But I guess we could start by, like, just kind of discussing our individual journeys, like, particularly with our um, personal beliefs and upbringing and what that looked like. Versus what it looks like now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my journey, I was born and raised in the church. Um, <laughs> so my beliefs for a very long time, and um, I guess still some to this day. Well, yeah. Um were based off of, you know, my parents and what they taught us and what they believed, all of those things. So um, particularly like within what type of 
church. Um, I've pretty much always been in non-denominational churches. Um, I honestly don't think that I've ever been a part of a denomination. Like we would go to my grandmother's church in the summer, um, which was Missionary Baptist. Uh, for vacation mm-hmm. Bible school, I just I just saw somebody tweet about vacation Bible school the other day, and I was like, "Wow, throw!" I saw back. that tweet. Yes, Super I was kind of triggered. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I learned one of my favorite songs, which for some reason I cannot remember right now. But once I remember it, I'm gonna burst out in song. Okay, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, pretty much always non denominational, but started out very very strong being in a uh, outreach and deliverance church. So I saw a lot of very interesting things as a child, things that I didn't even fully remember seeing, but grew up being like, oh, that's normal, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. I feel like that's pretty much that. Not too much more to say about that. But as far Mm -hmm. as community... um, I didn't really get community until, hmm, it might have been pretty early, actually. I want to say maybe like fourth, fifth grade, but that was like, you know, childhood community, friends that Mm -hmm. I hang with at church that you just hope that they're always going to be there, you know, every Sunday and Wednesday. Um, (laughs) And so... Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, because, you know, like at that age, you don't really think of it as community. It's just like, oh, these are my friends. Um, mm-hmm. Like you don't have an understanding of what community is. Um, so, yeah. But the good thing about that was like the community that I had then, they were also my friends outside of that. So my friend Ashley, like her mom and my mom worked together at the church and so we went to the same school too. We didn't live far from each other. So it was like, this was my church friend, but then this was also my school friend. And then she also would come to my house every day after school. Um, so there was a really good consistency there. So I didn't know that I even had community, but I did. Um, but once I get to the point of actual <laughs> understanding what community is, then it's like, okay, cool. Which was not honestly wasn't really until pause let me go back I did have community in high school as well but high school was a very tough time a very terrible time it just was too too many emotions like too puberty was just too much okay so yeah <laughs> just every time I think about it I'm like bro that was such a stressful time um yeah and it's just, you just can't even control it because your emotions and everything is just it just does what it wants to do. But anyway, um, I did have community during that time, but that community was very interesting because I had my church friends, and then I had people that I met like through the church friends, but then people that we met just like offline because let me just put this out there. So my sister and I started a jerking team. <laughs> <laughs> Jerking as in like, you're a jerk. I know. You're a jerk. You know? Hey. <laughs> we were really good at it. And we were actually like the first ones like in the Chicago area to like start doing it there, really. 
So we would post our videos and stuff. Yeah. We would post our videos. And so we got a lot of attention from that. And so we like made some friends from other people who like started getting into it and they had their little groups. And so there was like this one summer where we would always be downtown almost every single day, downtown Chicago, almost every single day. And there would be a group of like 12 to 15 of us walking down the street together because it was like all of these people came together and we would literally just go all around downtown and like jerk and make videos and just like chill it was a really great summer but it also was a really tough summer because that was the first time that I experienced depression so this is where my first understanding of I guess lack of community comes from um not even realizing it at that time but basically like with me going through the depression that I was going through, I pushed everybody away. And the only person who like really did work to like stay in my life and like show that they care about me and all this stuff was the person that I was dating who was a part of the group as well. Um, and so that was good. But then it also was really hard to see like, I'm pushing all these people away. I care about them. I know that they care about me, but like right now I need them to like actively care about me. And they're not doing that. And if you've ever experienced depression, then you know that your mind literally tells you nobody cares about you at that time. So absolutely. So it, it was really sucky because then the person that I was dating were, would still go out with these people. Like they would still hang out and do stuff, but like I just didn't have it in me. And then it got to a point where I was like, okay, even if I do have the energy my mind is telling me that they don't even care. So I don't even want to be around them because they probably don't want me around. Just, you know, that whole mind game that depression does. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that lack of community really kind of did a number on me, especially because my best friend was a part of that group. And Mm -hmm. that was, I think, the first time that I felt... um, just like so easily dropped by a friend. And then from there, like that honestly started to mess up how I felt about best friends. So from there it was that. And then it was the person that I was dating. That was my best friend. And then once we ended, of course that messed me up. Cause I was like, dang, you just no relationship and no best friend. Like, okay. And then from there, I, I like hated like best friends. So for years, I never had a best friend. And anytime somebody would talk about their best friend, I would be irritated because I would just be like, no, I'm not calling nobody my best friend ever again. Don't have time for it. Nope. It was not until, I don't even know when me and Angelique became best friends. Like a couple years ago, it really wasn't that long ago that I finally got to a point of being like, this is my best friend. And it, it's so crazy because I shared, you know, my history with best friends, um, with my now best friend, well, best friends. Um, they all know about that history. And so they know that it was so hard. Like most of my best friendships now started with them calling me their best friend. And I just accepted mm-hmm. it, but I would never say that I was their best friend or that they, right. they were my best friend. Like I literally could not say it. I was like the, the freaking trauma <laughs> from this word is crazy. Um, and so, yeah, 
it's it's really interesting how you know experiences can really jack you up more than you know so with that being said then we get to the older years of community and i got a community from the church that i was going to and fast forward blah 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 some things happened where i made some decisions that i was not so proud of and i ran to my community and the most important parts of my community um kicked me in my throat. No, I'm just kidding. That was so dramatic. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> Honestly, because you know the story. And it's just like, no, yeah. it was pretty brutal. <laughs> it was pretty brutal. Um, they, didn't, mm-hmm. they, they didn't handle me well mm-hmm. um, with care. And so now here we are. That, that happened a couple years ago. So now here we are, and I can talk about community. I think community is beautiful. It's it's great. It's so necessary, but it honestly scares me. It really, really scares me. Like I can talk about it with other people. It's no issue. But when it comes to like people being like, oh, you need to find a community. It's time for you to get involved and do blah, blah, blah. It's like, no. Like To be very honest, I'm still a member of, my parents are pastors, so I'm still a member of their church, but I don't live in that area anymore. And where I where I live now, um, the church that I have been attending since I've been here for like a year and a half, I literally just attend. And you would think that I'm a member, but I have not joined this church because I'm like, I don't, I feel like joining is like the gateway to, you know, starting to find community. And I don't, I'm not going to say I don't want community because that's not true, but I'm just afraid of it because of the way that things happened before. It really, really messed me up. And I'm just like, you know, people are people and we all make mistakes. We definitely, you know, mishandle people sometimes. Um, But it's just that, that thing of like, I don't want to go through the same thing again. Like nobody wants to experience the same pain. And it's like, yeah, you learn your lessons from it and stuff, but whether it comes in the same exact way or another way, I just don't want to have that experience or anything close to it. So my view of community now, um, it's it's not the best. And I honestly don't have community. I really don't. Mm. Not here at least. Back home, I do. But even that is interesting it's not necessarily like a spiritual community but it's mm-hmm. a community it's more yeah it's probably just it, are you saying it's more rooted in just you know familial or like friendship relationships that may or may not really have anything pertaining to your like spiritual growth or exploration or anything like that yeah i mean the good thing is we we definitely all share the same faith um so it's no issue of like talking about you know spirituality um but that's not our foundation i guess Mm, yeah that makes sense yeah yeah well like you i also grew up in the church um and i'm also a 
Preacher's Kid. Um, PK Club, hashtag <laughs> PK Club. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, I grew up in a missionary Baptist church. Um, shout out to Missionary Baptists. Um, yeah, and grew up in the same church all of my life up until I went away to college. And I feel like that upbringing, it was, I have mixed feelings about it. It definitely laid a foundation for, you know, me being exposed to faith in general and just the concept, you know, there being one God and obviously the story of Jesus and, you know, Christianity and how all that, how all that stuff works, you know, (laughs) um, I feel, but at this, and it, it also was a great foundation in the sense that I definitely felt like I was part of a community in some way and that there was this family aspect in the church. And especially as an adult, when I, whenever I go visit my home church and I see the people that were very influential to me as a child, there's still a strong connection there. Mm-hmm. And I value all of the things that they poured into me. And it's funny because, you know, it was church that introduced me to many of the things that I do now. Like it was the church that introduced me to movement first Mm. you know the first time I ever danced or danced in front of people was in church and the first time I did any public speaking was in church you know things like that and those things obviously have carried over into other aspects of my life um and so I feel like the my church was very foundational in that and also very supportive in that you know a lot of people were very supportive of me pursuing dance or theater or whatever I was getting into um but at the same time I feel like a lot of the teachings were very restrictive um I feel like it ushered me into a place of having a strong intellectual understanding of God Mm. and religion, but didn't really leave much room for mystery. But I had like my aunt, my mother's sister, she was part of a non-denominational church that was, I feel like some, similar to your upbringing in the sense that they they did a lot of outreach a lot of deliverance um you know pretty charismatic you know fivefold ministry so speaking in tongues prophesying um healing all of those things and 
So I got a little exposure to that because I would hang out with my aunt a lot as a kid. And so I would see these things and would feel very strange because the way these people were behaving didn't match my weekly experience in my home church. So for a long time, I thought that they were the weirdos and that (laughs) we were the righteous ones. (laughs) But that's because that message was being perpetuated to me like as a kid. um, And even kind of now, like when I go back there, it's kind of like, oh, those people are whatever. So yeah, but I guess as a preacher's kid, I felt disconnected a lot from community. I didn't really have a lot of friends um, in church. Most of my friends were from school or extracurricular activities that I was doing. Um, I feel like I was placed on a pedestal a lot because of who my dad is and so it was very I it was very lonely for me as a kid and so I associated church community with loneliness hmm. from from an early age and it wasn't until it really wasn't until I got to college that I really understood the purpose of church in the sense of this is a place where we can find community because I was getting that stuff like from other things like I had a community with the people that I was dancing with you know at the dance studio or at school um or you know various little things that I was into but with church it was more of this like we're here I'm here to almost do a job you know like I'm here to prove how holy I can be (laughs) And once that's over, we can resume back to living life the way I want to live it. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was almost like it was a show. And because, you know, I am a performer, it felt natural for me yeah. to just sort of put on that mask, put on that costume, perform for like the time spent in the church and then release myself from that character and resume life and it wasn't until I got to college that I realized oh there's this intersection of believing what we believe and also sharing that with others in an authentic way um so yeah when I got to college I joined a church it was also a Baptist church and it was very similar to the church I was raised in. But the difference was, is that I actually had friends um, and people that didn't see me as, you know, oh, that's Reverend so-and-so's daughter. We got to like people just, they actually wanted to do life with me. They would, you know, take me under their wing and be like, do you want to go to the movies? You want to hang out? We would have meaningful conversations, like getting to know each other. And then the people that were a little bit older than me, you know, they kind of took care of me um, and kind of became 
this second family an extra resource for me, especially since, you know, I was so far from home um, in college. Um, They kind of took it upon themselves to sort of adopt me into their lives. So that was really nice. But then again, it was still very restrictive in the beliefs. And at that same time, I was also, you know, dealing with some mental health issues and also reconciling many things about myself. The major thing, you know, as you know, is my sexual orientation and what that meant for me, you know, as a Christian. And so in that sense, it was still very lonely because I felt like I really didn't have anybody to talk to about those things. So I don't know. Then I kind of life happened and I kind of had this major breakdown. And that's when I fully admitted to myself that I was craving more. Like there's got to be more to this than just this intellectual understanding that I've been fed all of my life. And that's when I started to embrace mystery into my spiritual journey and yeah but at the same time it was weird because I left that church and just started like church hopping a lot (laughs) in town you know like you remember I'd be like I'm going to this church and sometimes I go to church with you um just trying to figure out just trying to learn from various perspectives. And then there was a brief time where I got caught up in the like evangelical world and thought that I was going to be like this dance missionary or something. <laughs> and then I don't really know. Cause like that was around the time that we started that Bible study, that dancer Bible study yeah um and that's I think that's when I was it was like I was out of war with myself and I think that bible study was my last attempt to hang on to this character or persona that I've been portraying for so long um when really I think what I really wanted that group to be was like let's look at scripture and disrupt everything (laughs) (laughs) about it but it turned out to just be you know whatever um still fruitful like great conversations but just yeah um and then I think like after wrapping up school I I like moved in with um this wonderful person and I think from there like she challenged me a lot and helped me just accept myself (laughs) and be okay with it. And that's when I just kind of was like, okay, we can, we're allowed to evolve in our beliefs and our convictions. And obviously my community started to change because, you know, the people that were into the things that I was into, they, I think they started to realize, oh, we're not on the same page anymore. And so some of those 
relationships just naturally shifted. Um, and I don't know. I believe that what you put out is what you're going to get back. So um, the more and more I started diving into mystery, the more and more mysterious people just started popping up in my life. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of, and now I'm sort of this unchurched person. And part of it is because of some trauma with church hurt but there really was no like one specific incident it was just a series of incidences and noticing patterns Mm -hmm. that once I like took the time to really reflect on those things was very painful um and I feel like when you're deconstructing your faith, it's just painful anyway. And you start to notice the things that were toxic or harmful to you and other people. And I'm just really not interested in being part of communities that aren't a safe place for me to explore the way I want to explore. And typically most institutionalized church settings you know no matter how hard they try to be (laughs) inclusive it's there's still this like wall that I have you know and maybe that wall will be broken down again but like you said I'm just really not really interested in finding like a church home as (laughs) one would say And then the company I dance with, we rehearse on Sundays, like all day on Sunday. So it's kind of like this perfect excuse (laughs) for me not to have an ordinary church community because, you know, I'm not really available, like time-wise. So I'm just kind of like floating but I'm still very rooted because I feel like, like I said, I feel like a lot of like-minded people have come into my life recently and I've been able to forge community with them, but it just looks different. So I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like and what it means. Maybe it doesn't mean anything, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to kind of roll back and highlight, like, because you were saying that you face a lot of challenges with particular communities. And I want, I'm wondering if we can kind of go into, like, what challenges you face when you left your community and then struggling to find another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so when I left my community, it was months after the hurt had already took place. So, uh, I mean, like I left the community, but I didn't leave the church. So I was still like around the community, but I was just not cool with them. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Which honestly, I, I 
I don't know if that added anything to it or what. I think it might have. Like, um, in general, I think I'm definitely one who struggles with removing myself from situations. I'm getting better at it, honestly. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think I do struggle with removing myself from situations. Is like once it's uncomfortable or whatever, then. I have to give myself permission to leave and mm-hmm. I don't always do that because I think I'm a very hopeful person and so I always hope that like one that people wouldn't do me wrong and then two if they do that they would you know be humble enough to realize that they were wrong and apologize um, but then they would actually do the work to fix it and in that situation, that really wasn't a thing because I was done. So there was no fixing it. Um, but I don't know. I think I was just hoping that like I could quickly heal. And I honestly found myself in this situation and in other situations where although I know that I'm not going to just like get over it, I've tried to like experiment on myself to see like, oh, maybe if I stay, if I keep myself in this fire, then I'll like stop burning or something. I have no idea (laughs) what that thought process is or if that makes sense at all. But it's like, I guess I had the mindset, like, I don't want to run from this. I'd rather just face it, you know? Right. Um, but that didn't it didn't help me because not only did I not have my community, I honestly didn't feel supported from that church at all. Um, I'll never say their name, so I'm just gonna talk about it, not the full th- story, but it was mm-hmm. just like <clears throat> I was close enough with those pastors and other leaders um not those pastors, the pastors and other leaders where if they saw that something was wrong with me, I feel like they should have come to me and been like, are you okay? What's going on? Um, But that wasn't the case. What I got was the one person that I was still close to who knew the situation coming to me saying, hey, this pastor asked about you like you know they can tell that something's wrong and they were asking if you were okay and I think that person thought that that would make me feel good but it actually pissed me off because I'm just like you know me we have a relationship so the fact that you feel like you need to go to somebody else and ask if I'm okay instead of coming to me makes me wonder like do you really care if I'm okay or do you just like you're just asking just to ask. Right. Well, because I feel like that oftentimes when in church situations, like you and I both know that there's an element of gossip mm-hmm. that goes yeah. into that. If someone is coming to you and they're like, hey, I heard that or this person said that something might be wrong with you. Well, then how does the pastor know that you want to disclose anything to that person that they sent, you know? 
Because it does seem like, oh, let me just send this person a check on you. But like you said, when you already have a relationship, why wouldn't you just do it firsthand? And I feel like that's... (laughs) We get so caught up in... I don't know, like personas or what things look like or people just... I feel like churches don't teach... We don't teach people how to communicate (laughs) and how different personalities respond to different forms of communication. Um, And part of that is we put pastors and leaders as like experts in in everything Mm -hmm. when really like the only thing I mean, if you're a pastor, the only thing you're really an expert in is how to lead a flock of, like, people, the people of God. Like, so I'm going to come to you about spiritual matters, but, like, I feel like how to communicate and some of that emotional stuff, like, that's emotional and psychological. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people that aren't knowledgeable or trained in those things you know, probably shouldn't be taking matters into their own hands when it comes to that. Um, But we do it anyway, and then that's how people get mishandled. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but keep going. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it just, it's just like things just didn't get any better. Um, And then to make it even worse, one of the people who specifically hurt me, we finally sat down to have a conversation because she just kept asking to spend time with me. And I'm just like, bro, do you not understand that I do not like you? (laughs) But but I was like, you know what? Let Let me calm down a little bit to go talk to this woman. So I went to talk to her and she sat in my face and told me that she was not apologizing. So... It just was an all bad situation. Um, but yeah, I still I still stayed. <laughs> so I think that was the beginning of me realizing like, listen, when something is done, it's done. Okay? Mm-hmm. Let it mm-hmm. go. Just just let it go. I literally just I don't yeah. know if you saw, I retweeted because <laughs> it got me so I was like, listen, this is good advice. It was a story, you know, one of those little pages where people were telling, like, their situation. This girl was saying she's in a toxic relationship, whatever. And so she was asking for advice. And so I went to look at the comments to see what people had to say. And the first comment, this guy said, leave and make sure when you leave, you go. I said, you know what? That is so good. Because sometimes you leave, but you still attach to stuff. And it's just like. When it's done, it's done. You have to, you need to be finished and done. You need to leave and you need to go. Like, detach yourself from that. There is no longer room for you there. Like, mm-hmm. just, just, why are you wasting your time? And I think because I was so, this was my first church, like the first church that I had been to, my first community outside of community that has been set, you know, by my parents or whatever, because I want right. the church that they're going to, or I'm a part of their church, you know? So this is my first time as a young adult finding my own community and it was good while it lasted, but 
it's over. It's dead. <laughs> and so I think like <laughs> that was my first lesson in um, having to learn like when do you move on? And I think it was really, really hard because it's like people in church, like in this situation, it can be the same thing. But I I was never, I don't know, I was never taught how to leave a church. Well, I was, okay, that's not true. I was taught how to leave a church, like the proper way to do it. But as far as like, when do you really know that it's time to leave? You know, um, I was yeah. never taught that. Like my parents definitely told me like, well, when people leave a church, then they're supposed to do it this way. But people usually do it this way. Um, so I once I actually left, I did it the proper way. But I was supposed to do a way before then. And honestly, the the stuff that took place, I kind of believe that part of it took place because I was supposed to leave that church way before that even happened. Like, at least a year before it happened. But because I didn't want to, um, you know, give up on the ministry that I was a part of. And I knew that I was like a huge help to them. And, you know, just trying to be helpful, trying to not quit on my commitments and stuff. But it's just like, listen, when it's time to move, it's time to move, okay? <laughs> so. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like I feel like when I was at the church, you know, my first church away from home, um, I probably should have left that church long before you know things got just all up up in shambles (laughs) um part of it yeah part of I think I realized maybe it's time to go when you know I mean I'll give one little specific incident so um I wear pants (laughs) you know Everybody wears pants. I hope you're wearing some type of pants. Me? Everybody. (laughs) Yikes. We know not to ask me that question. Okay. Well, yeah. When we're in public. uh, (laughs) And um, in my home church, you know, it's modern day. So women wore pants. Like, I, like we dress nice, like wore like pantsuits or pants and a nice shirt or whatever. Um, but at this particular church, there was this common belief that was said but unsaid, you know, just like the lack of clarity. Like it wasn't a, a requirement, but it was one of those church cultural things where it's like, you should do this and if you're not doing this, then we're going to, we're going to pray that you turn your life around kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So there was this one particular Sunday we were in Sunday school class and um, I was wearing pants that day because it was cold as hell. And the, one of the women in the class passive aggressively addresses women wearing pants in church and how she felt like it was wrong or not best for women to wear pants 
and justified it with this purity culture BS about the pants highlighting highlights the shape of your body more than a modest dress or skirt would. And we don't want to distract the men of the church, particularly the men that are leaders, like the deacons and ministers. And I feel like that should have been my first clue to (laughs) to dip to leave yeah but you know we're often taught like about loyalty and to not allow because I think in hindsight I felt like oh this is a petty a petty um thing to get upset about like people are allowed to have their opinions mm-hmm. and I'm all about diversity of thought. And I don't think that churches should, you know, promote this like sameness or group think yeah. mentality. So I kind of was like, well, she's allowed to have her opinion about that. And I also took into consideration that this woman was older. She's of a different time. <laughs> um, So where women didn't wear pants all that often, like in life, period. So I, but I think it was less about what she thought about women wearing pants and more about how she addressed it and the justification for it, you know? And it was sort of just like, so why don't you just flat out say, Abra, you're wearing pants. And I think as a good Christian young woman, you should consider wearing skirts or dresses. (laughs) But instead, it's like this, let's address it, but we're not going to call anybody out, even though the obvious person in the room, because I'm the only woman in the room that's wearing pants. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, so it was, yeah. And then it just kind of other other little things would happen. And I look back on it and I'm like, that should have been the clue to just go. <laughs> and I think even, and I didn't leave properly, <laughs> even though I know protocol. Um, but that was part of me like, in my anger, just being rebellious (laughs) and just being like, but maybe I don't. And I was going to say about the formalities, like people get so hung up on the formalities that it blinds us to when it's time to leave because we're so focused on, well, I got to do this the proper way. And I feel like because I didn't do it the proper way, I was able to detach much faster. Um, I still have a lot of love for the end like some individual people that are part of that church. But like I, what I've visited, you know, the area multiple times since moving back to Tennessee have yet to go back. 
because I just, you know, and I know that like the people that are like my actual friends there, like we can see each other at a separate time and location, you know, but yeah. And so maybe disrupting some of the formalities is necessary for some people to be able to leave when it's time to go. I don't know. So, <laughs> as far as, well, I guess I'm, I'm just wondering, like, how did that, ha- did that have any effect on community for you at all? Because, like, you went back to Tennessee and you kind of went back to the community that you had before. Even though there's, you know, different people, um, there's still, like, you know, it's familiar. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like you said, you're not really a part of any church. Um, so I guess, like, did that did that experience affect how you saw community at all? Or, like, where are you now with, with community? Um... I mean, well, part of the reason I left that church was literally, well, it was in my control, but also not in my control because what happened was I, you know, I had my mental breakdown and I was sort of forced to return to Tennessee for a little while, you know, and I took I took a gap year in college. And so basically when I went back home, I just informed a few people. But then once I got back to school, I just sort of hit restart (laughs) on my life. And that included not going to that church anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I... I guess because foundationally I'm used to being an outsider in the community anyway. Yeah. I just kind of was like, well, it didn't really impact me that much because I was still friends with the people that I was friends with. Like that, those friendships were still very present in my life. And then quickly I started forming relationships with new communities that were just totally different the total opposite you know I was you know I was going to a house church that was like an hour and a half away from campus where I was allowed to wear pants (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I could wear my pajamas if I wanted to you know (laughs) and it was very charismatic, very just so opposite, you know, because I think I was just so desperate for more. Like I said, I need more of God, more mystery. And this particular community was all about that, like very like woo woo mystical Christian type folk. And but then when I started um, reconciling that I was queer, I knew that it was going to be time for me to leave that community because I knew that that was not a safe space for me to be open about that. 
And around the same time, I was making plans to move back to Tennessee to further my career in dance. So it was just kind of like a, so the way I left that community, it was like they knew that I was leaving because I was going back to Tennessee to further my advance myself. And so we left on good terms, you know, and it was all love. I wasn't out yet. So the underlining concerns that I had were not apparent to them. Um, but pretty quickly after, soon after I moved back home, I was in a, now in a safer space for me to come out and, you know, be more authentic about where I am just in general, you know? So, yeah. yeah. But I guess because I'm used to being alone. Right. I was just about to say, uh, it, it's really <laughs> interesting because most of the time when people, you know, want to stay on the outs, it's, it's a defense, but like, that's literally just what you're used to. But like, here I am now staying on the outs <laughs> out of defense, because I recognize that if you don't get attached to begin with, then one, there's no way that people can hurt you. There's no way that you know anything about mm-hmm. me. I don't have to share anything about myself. Like you literally know nothing, so you can't touch anything when it comes to my personal life, and I can leave at any moment. Which sounds really yeah. bad, but <laughs> that's just <laughs> what it is. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So, what does an ideal community look like for you? Um. Honestly, when I think about an ideal community. Um, I think that spirituality and church is a part of it, but that, that that's not like it. Um, so I think I have a small scale of what I would like community to look like. So I have two close friends who are just really, really great friends. Like they're really great people and they're very different, but just really great. Um, But what makes them so great is I can go to them about pretty much anything and they will be honest with me. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not like I'm judging you, you know? It's like, like they're just very they're very balanced individuals in their personal life. Like they definitely get the natural and they definitely get the spiritual. And so with them just being that way naturally, it just flows through our conversation. It flows through the time that we spend together. And so the things that I do in my personal life that may not be the best for my spiritual self, (laughs) every now and then they may say something about it. But they also know me. And so they recognize that, like, I don't have to get on Alicia about, you know, her habits and, like, the things that she does or the things that she says because she knows right from wrong. Or she knows Mm -hmm. when, you know, things are getting obsessive. Um, Right. So, yeah, definitely the balance of natural and spiritual. That's so important to me. Like, I'm quick to pull up, okay, (laughs) y'all doing too much. On one side, we need to talk about this side. 
I hate like overly spiritual and then overly natural. It's just like, bro, is God even in this at all? So, (laughs) um, so definitely balance love, 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 love. I'm all about love. Like, I feel like part of my calling is to remind people that like, I hear what y'all talking about, but you, you know, that God is love, right? Um, yes, yes, because <laughs> it's just, I don't know, for some reason that's always skipped over and it's like, how do you, you can't skip that. Like it just doesn't work. Um, so, so much love, like above all love, um, people and atmospheres that are, um, I guess committed to truly like learning individuals um, and and caring for individuals as you learn them. Um, one of the things that I can, that I can point out in these friendships that they both do, uh, we constantly appreciate each other, like as we go. So, you know, every now and then with like some friends, you have moments where it's like, Oh, you know, this person has, I'm thinking about this person. They've done so much for me. Let me tell them, you know, how much I appreciate them. That's always great. But like, we appreciate each other literally as we go. Almost every conversation I have with them, (laughs) we can be talking. And like, if they respond to me a certain way that I didn't expect, or they just respond a certain way that just made me feel, you know, comforted or just like, oh, it's okay. Then I'll say in that moment, like, I really appreciate you for saying that that way because you could have said it another way and I didn't expect that and I you know kind of came in guarded with this conversation and just those little things like it's so natural but it's so full of love like it feels so good if you are listening to this podcast and you can appreciate people as you go and like adopt that into your friendships please do it when I tell you like it's it's great um it's just like the constant care. I think that's what a lot of communities that I've seen and been a part of, um, because even like, you know, the people that you spend time with, like when we were in college, like our classes, those are communities, people that are in, you know, lecture hall that you just tend to sit around all the time. Those can become communities. Any type of groupings usually are communities. Your family is a community. Um, and everybody has a different way of how they do things. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that can either not be there from the beginning or can be lost is the love and care. Because it's just a natural thing when you get familiar with things and people and situations, you tend to just become overly relaxed that you forget that like life is hard, you know? Um, yeah. And so... I think if anything, the purpose of community is to to have people to love on and to have people to love on you um, and to care for you and to like, you know, genuinely listen and just all of that stuff. Um, I'm kind of all over the place with this because I'm still figuring it out. But <laughs> and then I'm going to make this the last one. I think the last thing is um, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. definitely forgiveness um 
I'm I'm really good at forgiveness. Sometimes like too good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's definitely something that I can say I've thought a lot about and that I think I get, even though I don't always get it right, but I think I get it. And the more I get it, the more I see that others don't. And it really sucks because like I actually just recently was in a situation where I kind of messed up (laughs) and like a, a new friendship and I messed up and I just like was beating myself up about it. And, um, I realized that like one, I needed to just just chill and like not be so hard on myself, which I still really didn't do until earlier today. <laughs> um, but then I realized that the other part of why I was feeling so bad about it and why it was literally like making me carry sadness for days is because I was just like, I know people and people really struggle with forgiveness. So I know that if this situation was flipped and I was that person, I know that I would be able to get over this, but I don't know if she's going to be able to get over this. And it's just like, that sucks. Because then sometimes I'm left to feel like I could become the person that's like, well, people don't forgive me, so I'm not going to forgive them. But it's just like, if you know me, you know that's not me at all. And I don't have time or energy for that. So that's not about to happen. But it's like, at the same time, I would love (laughs) to have the energy that I give to people to realize that like, part of relationships is being hurt and not intentionally, but just because we're human and we all fuck up, literally. Like it's going to happen. There was a video of Jada Pinkett Smith talking about, uh, it wasn't Red Table Talk, but it was a video. (laughs) And she was just saying, she was actually talking about her marriage. And she was saying like one of the most important parts of being in such close relationship with someone is understanding that love is going to, it's going to hurt sometimes. It's not supposed to hurt, but sometimes it's going to hurt. Just because when you're so invested and you're so open to someone, then of course you're not guarded. Because if I am guarded, then we're really not, you know, in full relationship. We're not like, you know really connecting with each other. Um, And so once you understand and accept that sometimes you're going to get hurt, but then realizing that like, if you're in a relationship with somebody who also understands this, then we can always work through stuff because we have love, we have care, and we know how to forgive. Now, some things, of course, that don't go for every situation. Sometimes you got to be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to forgive you, but I got to let you go. But just realistically, Mm -hmm. like, everything is not that big. And so I don't, I don't want to live a life holding on to stuff. Like when I will heal from something, I really want to be healed and like done with it. Um, and I think I just worry sometimes that I won't get that same energy. And it's just like, dang. So if I mess up at all, which kind of puts me back into the mindset before, one of the things that I realized when I went to therapy for the first time is like, I used to be a huge perfectionist. So I literally would think about everything that I was going to say and do like five times over before I even did it because I didn't want to mess up. And so it's like now when I do 
have human moments, I still kind of struggle with that because I'm just like, I go back into that mindset of like, I can't mess up. If I mess up even one time, then like, that could be the end of this friendship. That could be the end of this opportunity. That could be, you know, because I'm just. Right. People don't, I don't know. People just really struggle with forgiveness. And I'm just like, let's please just figure it out for my sake so that I'm not stressed about this. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's really important to community because it's like holding grudges. It just, it takes up space when we could be using that space to like care for one another and really support one another. Oh, well said. Thank you. Oh, I feel that so much because yeah, I'm a huge forgiveness person also. And I'm all about the love. I feel like, yeah, there's so many spaces in our lives, like not just in spiritual communities, but, you know, like look at the climate we're in now, like all the political discourse and how that has impacted people's personal relationships. Um, And just everything is so divisive, you know, and it's, it's really hard when you stand so hard on like your convictions and being super passionate about them and then allowing, but still allowing love to overthrow all yeah. of that. Definitely. You know, in spite of disagreements or wrongdoings, you know, love can transcend beyond those things. And not saying that love allows, you know, love doesn't mean we allow for bullshit, you know? Um, Brene Brown talks a lot about speaking truth to bullshit. Like when I started reading her work about all that, I was like, "Mm." that like freed me um, to take ownership a little bit of everyone's part in the grand scheme of it all um but yeah I guess for me my ideal community is yeah a community of love and genuine respect for other Mm -hmm. people um I hate the whole like passive aggressive mentalities and like using or I should say abusing your position of power or your knowledge and understanding of your faith tradition or scripture or anything like that to get people to do what you want you know like check your intentions. (laughs) Um, I'm, I definitely feel like a lot of church communities have this like creepy cult vibe. (laughs) I feel like now that I've, it's what, it's been about like, mm, like three years, maybe even longer since I've been 
consistently going to church. And now that I've stepped away from that world, anytime that I go back to a church situation, I see how it could be really creepy (laughs) to people on the outside. And I know that some of it isn't intentional, like, you know, but the whole, this obsession to bring everybody into the fold is like the way we go at it is, is creepy (laughs) and weird. And I just, Christians, like, just talk normal, act normal. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't need the oversaturation of terms that nobody is saying unless you are in a seminary right. class. You know, like, <laughs> you know, use layman's terms, speak plain, you know, um, and so, yeah, I'm really turned off by communities that are just, like, oversaturated with stuff like that. Um, I am attracted to communities that are inclusive, but not just the type of inclusion that is like, oh, everyone's welcome, but communities that have clarity in what that really means. So especially now that I am open about who I am and what I believe about certain things, it's really important for me to know from jump or have or have that information be accessible to me at any point in time um, to know that I am going to be fully embraced without question yeah. and scrutiny and that I can fully belong without the pressure to change. Um, Because at this point, I would consider myself fully affirming with like LGBTQ personhood and um, participation in church. Mm -hmm. So if your church is still leaning on the traditional stance, like, it's important for me to know that so that I know not to waste my time, (laughs) you know? And it's, it's not from a no hate in that, like you do you. Um, I'm not here to try to convince you. Like it would be nice if you were affirming, but I know that everybody's not going to land on that. And I've come to accept that, but I, you just need to let let me know <laughs> so that we don't have to go through these situations where people get mistreated and mishandled and you know um yeah and places that embody justice like full justice so don't just like pick and choose what's comfortable for you but put like places that are actually putting their bodies on the line for their fellow man um and like is actually living what they're saying like it's not just lip service um yeah and I think just being more intentional with how we pursue relationships with one another like it's not like 
this isn't just a job like this is a like this is life <laughs> um yeah so that kind of segues into this brief portion um where i wanted to talk about where we found good community <laughs> um and I wanted to give a brief, like the briefest recap of a community that, a faith community that I stumbled upon, but not really like, um, that has been very life-giving. Um, and it was through a conference <laughs> um, by the name of Evolving Faith. It was... Um, back in October of 2018 um, in North Carolina. And it was hosted by Sarah Bessie and Rachel Held Evans. They're both authors, bloggers, speakers, um, powerhouse women that I've been following over the years. They've played a huge influential role in my faith deconstruction and reconstruction and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, they hosted this little conference called Evolving Faith and it all aligned so perfectly because I had an aunt that wanted to go with me. So I had a buddy to go on the road with. And then my other aunt lived in the area. So I got like free housing, free food, <laughs> Um, and prior to going, um, there was like a meetup for people that lived in the middle Tennessee area and like Kentucky areas, um, to meet up before the conference and fell in love with all of those people that went and that has like forged like a new forming community here in the Nashville area. Shout out to my friends Adrian and Jason for inviting all of us into your home every month <laughs> to just do life together. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to like briefly like recap that conference and it restored hope in me for me to that healthy community is possible even when we're evolving and we don't really know what the fuck is going on. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Where should I start? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, basically it was a two day conference and, um, there were many, many speakers, um, people like Jen Hatmaker, uh, Sandra Van Opsel, Will Gaffney, um, Caitlin Curtis, um, oh, just so many, so many, um, so many people, but, and so many various topics surrounding what evolving faith looks like and what that means for us in the various spaces that we occupy, whether we're talking about our families or evolving faith in justice work and looking at the Bible differently, looking at how science plays a role in all of it, like just all the things. Um, and I feel like as each session like carried over, you know, I was just 
the things that the speakers were saying were impactful, but I think what was most impactful was the conversations that followed suit with the people around me and witnessing the um, responses and reactions. But I guess the highlight of that conference for me was um, the second day we had a communion service and it was so beautiful to me because you know, I've been away from church for a long time. And so I haven't been able to take communion in a really long time. And when I came out, I was afraid that the act of taking communion or partaking in the Eucharist, like, would be different. Because I knew that a lot of people that were going to be serving me communion like like what wouldn't be fully accepting of me and that really hurt my heart because to me like everyone is welcome at Jesus table um so this conference restored a lot of that hurt and pain because literally everyone was welcome at the table and it was so powerful to be served the bread and wine by people that were fully open and fully embracing and I didn't see like a dry eye in the house because it seemed like you know we were reclaiming this sacred thing that is part of people's faith traditions and faith traditions that have caused them a lot of pain um, and probably remind a lot of people of that pain but being able to reclaim that act and center it back on where it's supposed to be centered on um, was beautiful and so yeah I highly recommend those of you who are kind of in your wilderness season <laughs> and you just kind of out here wondering WTF, I recommend going to the Evolving Faith Conference. Um, it's going to happen again this year. This time it's going to be in Denver. Um, and I'll have, I don't know, maybe I'll post, have some more info in the show notes about that. But yeah. Um, it was awesome. Nice. That's, that's community yeah. <laughs> right there. Sound like a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I guess we should kind of wrap up here um, and go into Shameless Plug. Yes. Yeah. Shameless yeah. Plug. Shameless plug, basically, this is our time to just tell you about all the things that we want you to be interested in. <laughs> this, you know, this time to self-promote ourselves. Um, yeah, so 
like I like I said, I'm part of a company here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I'm with Found Movement Group. Shout out to all my found peeps. Um, and yeah, so we are having a show in March, March 28th through the 30th at Track One. Um, our associate director, Kaylin Manning, um, is the creator of this show and it's called The Way I See It. And we're actually going to have Kaylin on the podcast um, next month to sort of talk about her process in creating the show and some of the themes surrounding that. So stay tuned for that. Um, But tickets are actually on sale now. um, And I'll have the link to where you can get tickets in the description. Um, So yeah, if you're in the Nashville area... Um, come see me and all of my beautiful, lovely fellow dancers. Like, this is going to be a really good show because it's all about perspective and seeing things from different lenses and angles. And yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a unique experience. It's going to be an immersive experience. So, you know, it's going to require some of your participation as well because that's kind of what we do we're all about getting people the spectator involved and kind of blurring those lines so yeah and you can follow found on instagram at fmg dance you know for updates and stuff so yeah highly recommend and then alicia you want to talk about Instagram and Twitter. Yes. So (laughs) you can follow us on Instagram at Misfits and Mystics Pod. And you can follow us on Twitter at Misfits Mystics. Two different names. Yes. All the same people. Instagram, Misfits and Mystics Pod. Twitter, Misfits and Mystics. So yes, make sure you follow us on social media. This is just the beginning. But to keep up with us, to know what's going on, to get to know more about us, um, all that good stuff. Also, there will be a website coming soon. But for now, just follow us on social media and then you'll find out when the website is coming because you'll be updated there. Yeah. And yeah, and we'd love to hear from you. Keep the conversation going. You know, tell us. Just tell us all the things. (laughs) Um, Just email us at misfitsandmysticspod at gmail.com and like I said all of this information will be you know in the show notes or whatever and anything happening in your neck of the woods? No except I found the song that we're going to end the show with because it's the song that I was talking about from Vacation Bible School I'm so excited to sing this song it makes me so happy oh my god okay okay do I have you, you do. I'm sure you do. Okay. So, shout out to this. all of our vacation Bible school buddies. Throwback moment. Yeah. Shout out to all. If you survive vacation Bible school, bless you. Yes. Bless So, here we go. You ready? This is how we're going to end our show. Okay. Father Abraham had many sons. 
Daddy sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you. And so praise the Lord. Right arm, Father Abraham. I got to do the whole thing. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, head up, head down, turn around, sit down. Yeah. Oh, you. I was just about to say, how did you sing? Because I just knew it was different. How do y'all? It was. Uh, it was like you, right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, and we said, "Nod your head, turn around, praise the Lord." See that missionary Baptist, <laughs> that Southern. Let's be clear, that Southern missionary Baptist, because I was at missionary Baptist as, as well. But yeah, you know, around, the, the Bible. Bible. What? Well, okay. Originally, I learned it as sit down, and then I actually learned that song at a summer camp through the Y. Oh. Okay. And then I t- I taught the song to my church and they loved it they had the whole church doing it or just the and kids then, okay the, the kids but the adults were really into it adults. too like our pastor our pastor would come down and do it with <laughs> us kids because he loved it so much and but then it was they were like you know maybe instead of saying sit down we just say praise the Why, lord because y'all don't want to sit down <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm not Easy gonna mode. try to analyze. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, that was cool. cool. No, I. I thought you were gonna sing um, the B I B L E. No. Well, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B I B L E. I remember that, but not enough. But everybody who knows me in Nashville knows that this one is my favorite. Rise oh and shine and give God the glory. And you know how much I hate this song. <laughs> yes. Well. Yeah. Well, great. That was. This was fun. Well, I hope you guys join us next time. Um, what are we talking about next week? I don't know. Something about mental health. Um, yeah. Until then, um, tell us what your favorite Vacation Bible School song was if you went to Vacation Bible School. Or what your favorite church song in general. Yeah. Yay!